Yo, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to the Celtics Collective Podcast, brought to you by Heavy on Celtics and Heavy on Sports. As usual, I'm your boy, Adam Taylor. As usual, we're joined by our resident insider, Mr. Sean Devaney, the Celtics king himself. He knows the connections this man has is just untrue. We've got a wicked episode for you today. So just to give you a rundown of what we're going to cover, we're going to start with the the basics, and then I'm going to lead you in. I'm going to bury the lead on this, as the journalism, the journalist in me would say. So we're gonna we're recording this before the season opener, so we don't know the score. We know they're going to be playing Philadelphia. We know there's going to be some issues because Gerard Embiid is huge, and the Boston Celtics, quite frankly, are not. We know that there's going to be some narratives surrounding Grant Williams and his failure to secure the bag in it, in terms of getting a rookie scale contract extension. We'll hit on that. When we'll just kind of preview the, the season as a whole, what we're expecting. Obviously, there's been a lot of turnover. We've spoke about that on previous episode, episodes. We'll reiterate that. But then the draw to this episode, why 90% of you are skipping what I'm saying right now, is because David Ortiz stops by. And I wasn't there because I'm in England and I have no idea who David Ortiz is. <laughs> So I'm going to throw it over to Sean just so he can give you a rundown of what to expect if you've made it this far for what they spoke with David about. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I tried to give Adam a quick tutorial on, on who David Ortiz is, but uh, uh, that, that, that was uh, like talking to a brick wall. So, so that didn't work. But yeah, you know, Ortiz, of course, is, is, is one of the greatest players in the history of, of the Red Sox, um, you know, a, a champion, a key part of that 2004 championship team. Uh, and others. So, um, you know, just went into the Hall of Fame. We talked about that a little bit, but mostly we talked Celtics. Uh, he's he's from the Dominican Republic. Uh, he was a basketball player himself, which is something that I didn't know. Uh, he told us about that. He talked about Al Horford, his friend from the Dominican Republic, who uh, he's actually known his parents. Uh, and, and, and little known fact, he helped to recruit Al Horford uh, to come to Boston when he was a free agent leaving Atlanta uh, in 2016. Uh, we talked some about Jason Tatum. Uh, and we even talked about, uh, uh, you know, how do you handle adversity uh, the way that the Celtics are, are looking to handle it this year. So a lot, a lot of good stuff. And he's an insightful guy, a fun, fun guy to talk to, um, you know, anybody in Boston, uh, you know, who's, who's been paying attention to the sports scene uh, around here uh, knows very much how uh, uh, what a good talker uh, David Ortiz is. Just in my defense, I do pay attention to the sports scene, but only when that sport involves a purple ball that goes through a hoop with a net. <laughs> I understand. I'm with you. And like, just just to be, I mean, I need. I don't understand the rules, so I can't watch a sport where I don't understand the rules. Like, I, yeah. I'm I'm going to listen to that back myself. I'm really interested to the Horford part. If people are still listening right now, I don't understand because they've probably just all jumped straight to the Ortiz, and then I'm assuming they'll listen to that part and then come back hopefully, to see what we have to say. Let's hope. I think the biggest thing we need to talk about is we've spoke about Grant Williams and his contract multiple times on this show so far, but everything up to this point was always conjecture. We were kind of projecting what we thought his value would be, whether we assumed Boston would be willing to match that value. And now we're on the other side of that fence and we're like, okay, we still don't know what Grant's value is or what Grant was asking for from the front office. But what we do know is there was a fair distance between Grant's um, financial requests and what Boston were willing to pay. Does this mean anything for Grant? Like, is he going to feel some type of way? I think for some players, uh, you know, you, you worry about that. 
Um, you know, there's players who are going to go in and, and feel a certain amount of pressure uh, in that kind of situation. Uh, you know, feel like they're really going to have to step up, and 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 they wilt certainly in the beginning of the season, and then it, you know maybe they they get it rolling later on. Uh, but I, I don't have that feeling with Grant Williams. For one thing, um, you know, what he's being asked to do is is pretty simple. He's got to defend, and he can defend, uh, you know, four positions basically, uh, and, he, and he's got to make threes, and, and he knows how to do both of those things. So um, you know, I think he's gotten a little bit better. I mean, just, just what I saw in, in the preseason, uh, it looked like he was a little bit better uh, as a passer, uh, you know, that, that he was a little more – uh, willing to look for other players and look to make uh, make the right pass. That was something that coming into the league, uh, he, uh, uh, he he was good at and was supposed to be good at. So I think that that's an area of growth for him. Uh, and I think in the end, uh, you know, talking to his people, uh, you know, from what I understand, they were in the in the 15, 16 million a year range, uh, and the Celtics weren't going to go that high. Uh, so you know, as long as that's as long as that was the case, then it wasn't going to get done, uh, which was a surprise to me. I thought the Celtics in the end would wind up giving that mostly because Adam, there's a bunch of teams that are going to have cap space next year. And they're going to be looking for that kind of guy, that kind of glue guy uh, who can bring a young team together. Uh, so, you know, I think the Celtics might, might wind up regretting uh, not coming to a deal uh, with Grant Williams here. Do you think the Marcus Smart rookie extension plays a part here? Like Smart wanted more than what Boston were willing to pay originally. They allowed Smart to play at that final season of his rookie deal. And then he goes to restricted free agency. The market that Smart probably thought would be there for him didn't really materialize. And he ended up back on a team-friendly deal. And obviously Brad was coached then. So do you feel like, and it's a very similar, right? Defensive-minded guy, has offensive upside, showed flashes, but hadn't really fit. Like, you know, you can't bank on Grant being year three Grant when years one and two weren't really put together. And I know year three is when guys generally take their jump. But do you think that Marcus Smart deal at the end of his rookie contract has kind of played any factor into Boston's willingness to let this kind of ride out? Yeah, I do. You know, and the Celtics traditionally have have been pretty tough with rookie extensions. It's not been something uh, that uh, uh, that they've done a whole lot of other than, of course, uh, you know, Tatum and Jalen Brown. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it is something that I think uh, uh, that, that that did factor in. Certainly there is a history there, like I say. Um, you know, I think the other thing that probably factored in was was Robert Williams. Uh, and, you know, when you look at the hierarchy, uh, you know, you're going to be asking the team to pay Robert Williams, uh, to pay Grant Williams, uh, you know, a couple million dollars a year more than Robert Williams. And just in terms of the hierarchy, that didn't really feel right for the Celtics. Um, you know, I, I know Robert Williams would have had no problem with whatever uh, Grant Williams had gotten. But, uh, you know, with, within the team, I think the feeling was that we've got to keep this hierarchy uh, as it should be. And, and, and that is with with Grant making a, a bit less than uh, than what Robert Williams gets. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I do think that that was a factor. And I think uh, uh, the Robert Williams thing was a factor as well. You see, the Robert Williams things to me, seems a little bit disingenuous towards the other role right. players now because Rob got that deal based on the fact that, hey, we don't know if you can stay healthy. We know that when you're healthy, you're going to vastly outplay this contract, but you might only be healthy for 60% of this contract. So we're going to go a little bit lower than what your true value is. You get generational wealth. You get to accumulate some real money that can help set you and your family and your future kids, your kids and their futures up. 
in return, we keep you at a lower cost deal, right? So then to be think then to kind of use Rob's numbers and be like, as in contract numbers and be like, hey, we need to keep this hierarchy in balance. Well, no, not really, because Rob knew the score when he signed that deal. He understood right. and 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 their worries and their reasoning behind putting that deal in place came to fruition with the knee injury now through the summer. Uh, a time of recording, we're about three hours out, out from when Sean Shanaria, I can never pronounce his surname, I do apologize, um, reported that Robert Williams will be out until probably 2023, right? Had that PRP injection into his knee to help speed up and facilitate recovery. But this is why he isn't getting closer to 18 to 20 mil. So I feel that is a little bit disingenuous to Grant yeah. or to any other role player that they might do this to moving forward. Yeah, and and I think that the important thing to remember too is that uh, you, you know they're gonna they're gonna keep Grant Williams's rights, so they'll have the right to match any offer. Uh, I would I would be very very surprised if Grant Williams wasn't on the Celtics uh, in 23-24. Uh, you know he might have to go out and get an offer, uh, you know have an offer sheet, get it matched. Uh, and then come back to the Celtics, do it that way, um, and, and and the Celtics will match it. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I, this is still a guy that the Celtics want to keep around. See, so my worry there isn't well, it's twofold, right? You can always be outbid. There could always be a team that really feel like Grant Williams is that glue guy that can piece it together. It? And I, I haven't looked at the cap sheets, so this one might be a little bit out there in terms of finances. It might not work. But a team like Detroit. Yeah. where they've got so many young guys with high upside, then you bring in somebody that's growing into a leader. If you watch Grant Williams' press conference after that Toronto game where he's talking about everyone keeping their emotions in check and he's really hammering messages home to his team. And he's been successful, right? Like he's been to an NBA Finals. He's been to a conference Finals. He not, he's been successful in the three years he's been in the league. Putting him out over onto a team like Detroit, could really help facilitate them so maybe they will try and put a bid in a contract offer in to be like hey we don't feel like boston are going to match this and we might actually get our man so that's always concern number one concern number two is does this stick in a player's mind when they're in the, they're entering a final year of their deal that's a player option you know and they, they might be more inclined to opt out and become unrestricted because the team didn't show any loyalty on that rookie deal. Now this is their time to kind of repay that favor. Yeah, no, and that's a, both of those are fair points. Uh, and it's funny that you bring up Detroit. I mean, that is the team that I've heard that, you know, they've got the cap space and uh, and that desire to turn the corner. Uh, and Grant Williams is the kind of player who, when you've got good scorers, you've got, you know, uh, uh, Cunningham and you've got Sadiq Bay, you know, you've got you've got guys uh, who can put the ball in the hoop. You need, you need to solidify your defense. You need a guy who's going to kind of captain that. Uh, and, and, and Grant being, uh, I think he's, what, 23 or 24, uh, you know, being a young guy, uh, he, 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 he would fit right. Right, right into that mold. So, uh, yeah, Detroit is dead, and they will have cap space. Uh, so, so that's definitely a team to to keep an eye on. If I was the Celtics, you know, that's a team that would make me nervous when it comes to Grant Williams. And and you're right about the other thing too. You know, uh, when when Gordon Hayward signed with the Celtics in 2016, one of the things that stuck with him was that Utah, when he was signing a rookie deal. Uh, did the same thing, you know, made him go to restricted free agency. He had to get a deal from Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte got made him the offer that Utah 
matched it and, and kept him there. But that stuck with him. And and when it came time to decide, you know, am I going to uh, re-sign with Utah? The answer was no. You know, he had kind of already made up his mind in part because of uh, uh, because of uh, what had happened in restricted free agency. And that's always the concern, right? You show loyalty now. And I understand that, hey, we don't know what we're doing with Al Horford yet. We know that he's going to be becoming an unrestricted free agent. Is, is he willing to play on? How much is it going to cost us to tie him back down? Now, obviously, from a separate angle, you can be like, well, Al Horford knows that, hey, I've left Boston before and everything went upside down, right? So he's probably going to want to stay, but how much is that going to cost you? Then the tax penalties on top of that. Then you need to factor in paying Grant more money. You need to be very cognizant of the fact that the following summer is the Jalen Brown contract that you need to be dealing with. So there's still there's definitely a lot of Tetris that you're playing financially, but I agree. I think that keeping Grant or at least trying to work with him on those final few hours, and we don't know how hard both sides were working to make a deal, and maybe it didn't happen because time ran out, and then everybody comes away feeling quite good about it, or whether things were just getting shut down. That's not something we'd be privy to, but I think that those discussions play a huge part in how the player feels coming away like today and then entering into a game. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like, like I said, the Celtics still have his rights next summer. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. I think, uh, like I said, I'll be shocked if he doesn't wind up sticking with Boston uh, in some capacity next year. And with that, everybody, we're going to leave you to hear from Mr. David Ortiz, which is also named, he also goes by the name big Poppy, right? That's right, Big Papi. One of my favorite notorious B.I.G. songs is Big Papa, so that's how I remember that one. Everybody, tune into that interview. If you're new here, make sure you go hit that subscribe, that follow button, depending on what podcast app you're using. If you're on YouTube right now, go and hit that nice red subscribe button down the bottom. We'll be back next week with some more basketball talk, some more Celtics talk, and another really cool guest for now. Go and enjoy Mr. David Ortiz. I'm, I'm assuming it was a fantastic interview. All right, great. Well, welcome, David Ortiz. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, especially now that I'm right next to uh, who run the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, tell us, tell us if you guys could tell us what you're what you're doing there in LA and what you've been up to uh, with the Boys and Girls Club. Today we're here representing Loan Depot with our Home Means Everything campaign. Loan Depot is incredibly proud to continue our partnership with the Boys and Girls Club, which we you know, established several years ago um, to help make a difference in kiddos and families' lives and the communities in which we live and work. And we're super excited to be here with David Ortiz today, Big Poppy, holding a clinic for about 30 kiddos uh, in a revitalized uh, sports complex in the Wilmington area of Los Angeles. And, and you know, mentorship uh, is is a big part of uh, what what the Boys and Girls Club does, uh, and that's been important for you, David, right? And 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 I just wonder, uh, you know, a who were your mentors as you were coming up, and and then on the other side, how is it important to you, to, I guess, to uh, to turn around and give back? Well, uh, I, I was lucky enough to have a, a very uh, incredible parents. My mom and dad were my like number one go-to-go uh, uh, mentors growing up. Down the road, I have uh, some other people, you know, related to my career that were actually also mentors to me. But I think that everything began at home, you know, and and, and seeing this uh, uh, Lone Depot campaign, the homes means everything. I mean, 
is something that uh, I always call my attention based on uh, uh, when it comes down to uh, um, her foundation, like the Boys and Girls Club, where you have a lot of teenagers and kids out there who need guidance. And uh, that's when we come to him. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And I mean, it's great for them to have a Hall of Famer, you know, mentoring them as well. Uh, it's been a couple months since you were inducted into the Hall of Fame. Have you had a chance to reflect on that weekend and what stands out about it to you since then? Uh, a lot of things went down, you know, during that weekend. But I feel like a kid in a candy store, you know what I'm saying? I was the one that just got inducted. That means I'm the rookie. So I just had to look around and and watch everybody move and, and see how people do things. So for the years uh, come coming up, whenever somebody got inducted and we got to go there, now I know how to play it out, you know what I'm saying? But uh, being with all those uh, Hall of Famers, Hall of Famers and, and, and uh, living the experience, it was something that uh, uh, before it was exhausting, you know, like I, I have to, uh, I think that had a good team, which is uh, uh, Radigens, the company that represent me, uh, friends and family who helped me out with a lot of things. But otherwise, man, I I, I would die before of it because I was extremely <laughs> busy with so many things. But after that, after the life has been going back to normal, pretty much, uh, it, it, it was an, an incredible experience. You know, I I really. Uh, it has been an honor to begin to be part of that uh, elite group of Hall of Famers. Obviously, it's uh, playoff, playoff time in, in baseball, uh, but we've got uh, the NBA and the Celtics getting started. And I just wonder, how long have you been an, M an NBA fan of basketball? I always see you uh, uh, at the playoff games uh, with, the, with a pretty good seat. Uh, how long have you been an NBA fan of basketball, fan? You like my seats? Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> Not bad. Uh, that's Not happened bad. when you know the owner. <laughs> no, man, I always have been a, a, a fan of basketball. Matter of fact, uh, best, basketball was my number one sport before baseball. Like, uh, I played so much basketball, and, and, and my athleticism as a young player came from basketball, I would say, because basketball is, is the type of sport that is very complete. So I used to play, play basketball all day. That helped me out to grow, you know, and and and, and that was my sport. But my dad, he thought I have a, a, a good hands and nice coordination. So he encouraged me to to fall in love with the baseball game. And, 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 and I did, and here we are today. You know, it's crazy, but... I always keep my eyes on the Celtics, you know, that like last year they have an incredible season, even if they didn't make it. And I was very happy, even if they didn't make it with the year that they have, because that was a good sign. That was, that was, that, that basically as a fan told me that this year going to be fun to watch. They got a good season coming up. And, I mean, speaking of this current Celtics team, Al Horford is a fellow Dominican. You actually have known him for a long time. I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit uh, how you came to know Al Horford and his family. And then also uh, you helped recruit him to Boston is, is what you've heard a little bit. I was wondering if you could speak on that a little bit. When he was with Atlanta, and every time he used to come in town, he's, I had this chef at home that he loved. So 
I always had to make make sure that she was cooking for him. And uh, I know his dad. I know his mom. Mm -hmm. uh, he got an incredible family. I know his wife. Uh, and, and when he began to be a free agent and signing with the Celtics, it was something that it was it was amazing. Then he he bought a place uh, like five minutes away from where I used to live, up in Boston. And all is a is a type of guy who is a is a leader. He don't say much, but by his action, you can tell that that he's a leader. You know, I'm pretty sure he communicate very well with his teammates. But uh, uh, he's, he's the guy for the perfect word, you know what I'm saying? Like, he, he, he's not too noisy, but he do what he got to do. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what, what, what does he like to eat when, you, when your chef would cook for him? What, uh, what, what does he like to eat? I mean, man, when you are like what? When you are 6'10", you, you're down with crushing food, especially <laughs> as a basketball player. Those guys, they, 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 they burn easy. Three to five thousand calories out there playing on a daily basis. So <laughs> anything is allowed for them. <laughs> <laughs> and his mother actually covered you. She's a journalist that covered you uh, uh, as you were coming up, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His mom is a wonderful woman. Uh, we uh, kind of got to hang out a lot back in those days. And uh, he's, he's, he's incredible. Mm, that's it's, it's it's funny how everything kind of comes together like that i know um you, you've got a pretty high opinion i think of of jason tatum as well what do you what do you see in his game that you like and and, and what do you think the future holds for him well uh i think jason um uh, he you just gotta let him you know do his thing he's so talented he uh he uh, he had put himself in a situation that only the greatest, you know, uh, normally do that. So I love his game. I love watching him. I love his leadership. And the most important thing, I love that he's young, so he's going to be around for a minute. Mm, yeah, right, right. And, you know, he's the kind of guy who I wonder – um, you, you've had this burden of, of sort of being the face of Boston sports. For can, Is that something that you could see him taking over? He's a little quieter than you, but, you know, a lot of guys are quieter than you, so I don't know. But uh, Everybody's quieter than me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Is that a role you could see him doing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, here's the thing with, with Boston sport. Um, New England sport, it, it, it just – the, the fans, um, they are very fanatic. And what I mean saying when it comes down to it, they are very supportive. And when you are supported, you you wanna you wanna get that feedback from your players. Even if things are not going good, they wanna have that type of communication with you. They wanna know what your feelings are, they wanna know what your emotions are, they wanna know if you care, they wanna know how much you care, you know, they want to know all those details. Once I learned that while I was a player, it, it became to be easier for me because I'm very emotional. I'm very, uh, like, I'm a guy that you, you, you're you going to feel my expression in two seconds. You know what I'm saying? But also, 
I was a player that I really appreciate the fact that I play in New England because I, I grew up in a town that it, it, it was, uh, uh, it was, uh, everything was competition. Everything was, you, you became to be a, a competitor by instinct. And which is when you play baseball in the Dominican Republic. I mean, you can be playing baseball in the Dominican Republic from the moment that, and if you doesn't get it done right, they will let you know, you know what I'm saying? So New England is exactly the same way. But one thing I really always appreciate about New England is that when they see you trying hard, when they see your emotions popping up, even if things doesn't go where they really appreciate that, you know what I'm saying? And, and that's when, when he need to come in and understand that part of uh, uh, nothing is personal over there. People just want to make sure that you care. And once you learn that, it's a wrap. How long did it take you to learn that? My first couple of years, when I came to New England, they, they rival in between Yankees and Red Sox. I heard of it, but I had no clue how real it was. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that I had to have a little bit of taste. And I sent a big message to those rival time. I'm not here to fight. Uh, you know, I'm not here to 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 embarrass myself or embarrass somebody out dropping punching and doing all this type of thing. I'm here to compete to beat your ass my way. You know what I'm saying? So if you if you look at it during my era, those brother used to, you know, go on pretty much every other series against the Red Sox and Yankees. They kind of slow down. I know I'm a weak come out with a lot of rules later on, but I always want to have this type of way of beating them, but in a professional side of, you know what I'm saying? Like I have a lot of friends that play for the Yankees and they know they respect me as well. You know what I'm saying? So you don't want to get caught off into a situation when you are fighting one of your boys, you know, just because all the stupidity going on on the field. No. I'm going to beat you. I'm going to get prepared to play the game the right way and beat you, embarrass you, and then we continue moving on. But it's nothing personal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But once I got, once I got to Boston, I experienced that. I basically got to know what the whole thing was all about. And the fans embraced me, and I embraced it, and, and here we are. All right. I think Jack's got one more question for you, David. One more for you. Yeah. So it's been a weird off season for the Celtics in terms of coaching at the very least. Uh, you, you've dealt with some strange situations as far as managers go during your time in the league. W what advice would you give to Celtics players right now this year to deal with that same adversity? Well, you know, things happen. I mean, it's a little crazy, but you only can control what you can control. So as a player, all you got to do is just, Get prepared to do your thing and let the front office and the owners take care of the rest. For sure. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, thank you very much, Big Poppy, for joining us. And, and, and thank you so much for the work you do. And thank you to Lone Depot as well for, uh, for what you guys are doing with the Boys and Girls Club. Uh, and, uh, and good luck to you. Thanks again for joining us. Hey, thank you. Thank you.